Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Lord, I pray for what is about to be said is not of me, but of you. I pray that you take control of not only my tongue, but my heart, so that your love can be shared through. Lord, I pray as we sit, as we sit in your presence, doesn't matter where we are, whether we're in living rooms, whether we're in the church building, whether we are out and about, Lord, I pray that you are evident, that you not only shine through, but as we commit our lives to you in our everyday, Lord, that our actions and our speech completely reflect you. I pray for your movement to be evident. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am so hoping that you have got a lot out of uh, this series that we're doing at the moment uh, in the practically equipped stage of, of exploring spiritual disciplines in a different way. Uh, each week we've been introducing a different topic or a different way of looking at spiritual disciplines. But this week we're looking at what I continually keep on banging on about in that sense of being where we are going uh, and what we are created for in that sense that we are, we are created to live in community. We are created to live live in in togetherness with um, with each other. Uh, God created us to be able to share His good news, not just to bottle it up. It's a gift to be able to live life and life to the full. I don't know about you, when when you get given a gift that you absolutely love, you just you can't wait to tell somebody. And I know that in my first part of my Christian walk, uh, I was very hesitant of sharing what God was doing in my life to a lot of people because of fear of judgment and because of fear of my own inequities or maybe I might stuff up. But what I've come to realise is that the more that I share, the more that I actually step out of my own comfort zone, step out of my own ambitions, I tend to start living where God wants me to be, not where I want to be. So this spiritual discipline, creating spaces to be able to share what God is not only doing in my life, but what God is doing in things around me tends to open up my eyes in a different way. So I'm hoping that you're impacted just a little bit to be able to have the courage to be able to step into something that maybe you may not understand, but if you create space, God's going to do immeasurably more than what you could ever realise. So today we've already gone through the last couple of weeks, we've gone through what worship, spiritual disciplines of worship, spiritual disciplines of openness, spiritual disciplines of relinquishment, which was last week. Hopefully um, you guys could join us during the week for uh, Yasha's BVD and and we had a phenomenal time on Wednesday night uh, with Daz Farrell from Fresh Hope speaking into relinquishment. This week, uh, tomorrow we have uh, Emily speaking into the uh, the BVD uh, and we've got a guy by the name of Jesse Skelly who he works for 
for Fresh Hope and he has amazing heart for sharing the good news in any way, shape or form that just crosses his path. So make sure that you can join us for that. But this week, as I said, the S in worship is sharing. So to break it, um, to break it down just a little bit more is sharing your life in a culture designed for privacy. Practices that lead us into interdependency and community. Out of all of this, what we have is we have our accountability partners, our chastity, community, covenant groups, discipline, uh, discipling, sorry, face-to-face connections, hospitality, mentoring, service, small groups, spiritual friendship, unity and witness. In all of this... I'm not going to go through every single one of them, but these are spiritual disciplines of the, the, the main banner being sharing our lives, sharing our lives through all of these subcategories, which is phenomenal. Um, so let's, let's move into it. No, no hesitation this morning. Let, let's actually see what God is doing in this space. So a quote from Lucy Shaw. She sums it up perfectly in the sense of what, Sharing our lives with others is the pace of life and our preoccupation with unimportant things takes so much of our attention. The significant things like taking time to develop friendships, to read and even to pray, but mainly to listen to God. All of these get sacrificed on the altar for good works and Christian busyness. It says in the Bible that we are not saved by our good works alone. So to me, that back end of that, that quote is that all of what God wants us to do to build relationships, not only with the people around us, but with him himself, they get sacrificed for good works and Christian busyness. Spiritual formation is about being transformed into the image of Christ. For the sake of others, not for your sake. We have this gift of eternal life. But why would we want to share it? Why would we want to bottle it up? Why wouldn't we want to share it? Keeping company with Jesus is not just a private spiritual act. It is the way we share the Trinitarian life with others is where it is expressed. We are meant to live in community in the same way God does. In the, in the company of others will make our journey and this is where we will learn to tell the truth about ourselves, be vulnerable. Interacting with others, we learn to the vulnerability that it takes in uh, the vulnerability of giving and receiving of love. And God is love. But in this, what we are doing is that we are expressing or being open to the vulnerability. The sharing discipline, what we're going to go through, or the disciplines that we will explore this week, connect us with the loving one another sense that the Bible speaks about. And this is as a part of Christ's body, the loving one another so the first one this morning is accountability partner. We were never created to live a self-reliant 
independent life or we're not actually created to be operators of our own life. Yet many of us choose to live this way because we are afraid of vulnerability. Having an accountability partner means that you appropriately and reciprocally disclose struggles, failures and temptations to a godly friend who is committed to asking hard questions. They are willing to challenge you and they are are willing to give encouragement and pray for you. This, uh, This spiritual discipline of having an accountability partner is something that that can keep you on track to put your train back on the rails when sometimes you feel like you may have gone off in your own direction. This is somebody that's safe that's going to be able to come alongside you or you come alongside somebody else to be able to not only keep you accountable in your growth within your Christian walk but also in the kingdom works and where God has sent you into your workplaces, into your family, into your schools, into your community, the gifts and talents that he's been given you to not only glorify his name but to be able to grow the kingdom far beyond what we can actually do with our own two hands. Does your soul desire this? To give a regular and honest account of your choices, your priorities and temptations to a godly and a wise companion, whether you are that accountability party or whether you have an accountability partner, uh, partner, I should say. This brings out that authentic self-revelation and confession. Somebody that you can confide in where you can bring your walls down and not be judged. Someone to contact in times of temptation, in the heat of the moment and in need and that they're going to show up. In James 5, 16, it says it perfectly. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In another version, it says you may be restored. I love that word restored. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, the earnest prayer, I should say, of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, for me, when I first was a Christian, I was sitting there going, I can do this on my own. I can learn things and I can do this on my own and grow in my own techniques and and deal with it myself. And I can tell you from my own experience, I didn't last long. It wasn't until probably the last three years where I was introduced to having people come alongside you or coming alongside me and me being able to come alongside others in that accountability space, I felt real growth and wonderful results, as it says here in James. Our next one this morning is chastity. So as soon as you hear chastity... It's uh, it's, a lot of people will sit there and shut off because it's not what the world wants us to do. There's a lot of misunderstandings and um, misconceptions about the word chastity. So let's go into it a little bit as a spiritual discipline. So God not only made the body sacred, but God himself came in person, in bodily flesh, So it's not like he's telling us what to do. He's actually lived it himself. Healthy chastity is rooted in the deep acceptance of and respect for and protection of the glorious body God has given you. 
and all other human beings. So respect yourself and respect others. Love others as you love yourself. Chastity behaviors cultivates sexual purity and nourishes trust, not only in yourself, but in others, in intimate relationships. Does your soul desire this? Now, I know a lot of our uh, our congregation and, and family um, are past this, but do we know or have the knowledge or have the experience to be able to pass down to the people that are coming up? the people, the next generation that is going to influence the kingdom. This is where it comes into. Does your soul desire this? To revere God by receiving and honouring your body and the bodies of others with purity of thought and action. So it's not just about sexual stuff. It's also about your being a temple and allowing God to move through you, in you, around you for the kingdom purposes. In the Galatians 5.13, it says this, For you have been called to live in freedom. You have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, an, an intimate invitation there is that, we're, that Paul is sitting there to, to Galatia. He's sitting there and he's, he's an intimate. My brothers and my sisters, you have been called to live in freedom. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Takes away our selfish ambition. Don't satisfy your sinful nature, but use your freedom to serve one another in love. And next one this morning is community. Now, unfortunately, we are unable at this time during this world um, crisis that we cannot gather physically in community. But I think this is one of the most pivotal things in Christian growth is that not only does it give us that reverence to be around Christ-like, same-minded people, but it actually grows into different ways that God is moving in different people's hearts if we are actually um, in tune with what God has gifted us, not only as a church but as individuals to be able to sit there and see where God is taking us. So community, Jesus taught his followers, Jesus taught his followers that they were part of the family of God. They were not meant to be lone rangers, or, but part of a living organism, Christ's body, the church. No part of the body functions by itself. No part of the body nourishes itself. Or no part of the body serves itself alone. Every part is for every other part whether hurting or rejoicing. Christian communities exist when believers connect with each other in an authentic and loving ways that encourage growth in Christ and for kingdom's sake. They engage in transparent relationships that cultivate, celebrate and make evident Christ's love for all of the world. Now, I know there, there is a lot of people that have been hurt by churches in the past. But if we authentically build relationships for Christ's sake and not for human sake, that same saying that I've said uh, recently is get out the way and let God move comes into action there. 
Does your soul desire this? I don't know about you, but my soul definitely desires this. To express and reflect the self-donating love of the Trinity by investing in and journeying with others in several ways. By cultivating authentic relationships that connect you to God and his plan to serve and love this world. By exercising our gifts, knowing it, we need to know our gifts first, but by exercising our gifts for the fellowship and with the fellowship of others. To engage in hospitality that promotes honest sharing and caring and to engage in mission, God's mission, not your mission, God's mission with others. In Colossians 3, 15 to 16, it says this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. I could stop it there, but I don't want to stop it there. I'm going to continue on because there's gold in that. But let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill our lives. In another version, it actually says overflow your lives, overflow out in your actions. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Not you give, he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. I was thankful with the worship this morning and every single time we can sing in this building and sing together, it's phenomenal, isn't it? But that's that togetherness. That's that bringing into community. That's that journeying life together instead of sitting there going, what can I get out of this? It's actually what has God blessed me and gifted me to put into this. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be left behind. I don't know about you, but I want to be in a community that can actually uplift, encourage, and rejoice with one another. And next one this morning, let's move on. As I said, this is uh, Sunday's uh, is all about um, uh, the exposure to what the rest of the week is going to line up. So the, this next one is covenant group. So covenant group, so many people may have different uh, areas and different understandings of what covenant groups are. So covenant groups are a particular kind of small group. Now, most of us will sit there and go, yeah, I'm involved in a small group, or some of us may be involved in a connect group in some way, shape, or form. But covenant group is very specific. It is designed to take participants to deeper levels of the soul with one another. They provide a vehicle of continuity and development of relationships that attend to people's stories as well as the hard questions concerning lifestyles, priorities, goals, and also spiritual well-being. A covenant group is composed of people who commit themselves to helping and engaging one another as each prayerfully considers to live out where God wants them to be. Now, I was exposed through Navigate, um, through Fresh Hope's Navigate program, uh, many, many years back to what a covenant group is. But then I was re-exposed to it in 2018. And I can tell you the growth that happens from that and the ability to be able to live, uh, hear what God wants in your life and for you just to be able to sit and reflect through amongst trusted people, how powerful that is. Wow. You need to experience it for yourself. 
and this might be a little bit of an advertisement, but next year there is, uh, they're running the, the Navigate programs again, and I would much encourage anybody to be involved in that and speak to anybody who's done the, the Navigate program to be able to sit there and go, what a, what a spiritual formation or a covenant group does. Does your soul desire this? To enter into authentic, confidential and healing relationships with a committed group of followers, a band of brothers for men or, or ladies that just want to journey with one another in a deeper level rather than just doing the, uh, the everyday chat, chitter chat. It involves sharing your story and your authentic self with a small group who listens for you, or with you, I should say, for God's word on your life and encourages you to step into that. A gathering with others who help you to live by intentional rhythms that shape your character into the image of Christ. Now, they can't actually equip you to do this, but they can come alongside you and actually help you hear where God is wanting you to go. Maybe something that you can't hear yourself or can't see yourself, but to be able to pray and journey a certain journey with you. In Hebrews 3, it says this, and this is the New Living Translation. I've got two translations here because I wanted you to hear the, uh, hear the words in each of these. So Hebrews 3.13, it says this, you must warn each other every day while there is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin or hardened against God. Now you can actually hear his voice. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love those words because it actually highlights that we're in a battle. In the Aramaic Translation, it says this, the sin of the deceiver the roaring lion looking for his moment to be able to attack you, even sometimes when we can't even, we don't even notice it. And then it just keeps on going and going and growing and growing and growing until it becomes a part of our life. The deceiver could be referring to the devil, or it could also be referring to our own ability to be self-deceived by our own ambitions, thinking that, oh, this is what God wants from me, but actually not even checking in with him. Powerful words. Our next one this morning is discipling. I'm a big believer for discipling. Going to all the nations and, and create disciples, but not just, not just disciples, but disciples that will last through the storms, through what life throws at them. Making disciples is the God-given agenda for the church. That agenda is more than just saving souls. It involves helping people to make transformational journey into Christ-likeness. Disciple-makers give light and hope and help to those willing to be intentional about their growth. Being in discipleship means to actually intentionally step into a space that you may not like the consequences or you may not like the direction, but you have full trust in what God is going to do in this space to be able to grow you far greater than we you could ever imagine being. Discipling is the process of equipping, training and encouraging one another in their apprenticeship to Jesus and Jesus himself. 
It means journeying with and helping another to grow in knowledge as well as the virtues and the character of Christ coming alongside and picking somebody up and making sure that they stay on the right track. Does your soul desire this, to actually either be discipled or to be a discipler? To be in relationship where you are encouraged or where you encourage one another person to become an apprentice of Jesus. Meeting with one another in a, in a study uh, to study the Bible. This is more than likely a one-on-one uh, to, start, to, to study the Bible, to pray for each other, to encourage each other in individual spiritual growth, to attend uh, in worship. Again, you could do this in a group or community, but to make sure that you intentionally are journeying beside the people that you are discipling or that you're being discipled by uh, in faith and obedience of a younger believer, somebody that you've gone before them or or they have gone before you to be able to sit there and work off each other's life experiences and to intentionally invest into the life of an apprentice of Christ. John 15.15 says it perfectly. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, this is Jesus talking, you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. We are not slaves of Christ. He gives us the option. He gives us the choice. He he tries to uh, champion us to make that right choice, but it is up to us to step into that. Our next one this morning is hospitality. Hospitality is not by about impressing others with well-decorated homes or gourmet cooking. It's not simply for the gifted or for those who have clean homes. Neither is it for women, but men alike. Hospitality is a way of loving your neighbour in the same way God has loved us. Hospitality creates a safe, open space where a friend or even a stranger can enter and experience the welcoming spirit of Christ in one another. Does your soul desire this? And I know that there is a whole heap of people in our in our church family that live and breathe out of this spiritual discipline, but intentionally stepping into this might be something that is calling your, your soul out. To be a safe person who offers others grace, shelter, And the presence of Jesus, not just providing a meal, but providing that place where Jesus' love shines through. Sharing your home, food, resources, car, anything that you call your own, so that another may experience the reality of God's welcoming heart. Another way could be reaching out beyond your nuclear family to include others into your family. And simply, it's loving and not entertaining your guests. Hebrews 13, 1 to 2 says this, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without recognising it. They're powerful words. They're powerful words. The Aramaic can be translated this way. For this is how you are worthy to receive 
angels while awake. What if God himself just wants to come and spend a day with us through people? Are we going to be open for that? I don't know. Next one this morning is mentoring. Now, as I said before, I'm a big person for, for discipling, but I'm also a, ma- a big person for mentoring. Uh, I think that there is, there is so much gold when you can come alongside somebody and mentor somebody. We don't automatically change our ideas when we do um, mentoring. Uh, we don't automatically change our ideas, our attitudes or our behaviour patterns just because we learn something new that is good for us. Most of us need more help in transforming than just learning about it. We need examples, we need relationships, we need hands-on experience, support and empowerment. We need mentors. Mentoring is a relational experience in which one person empowers another by sharing their life, their experience and their God-given resources. A mentor nurtures an apprentice. This is personal development. They nurture their faith as well and also their skills. Sometimes a mentoree doesn't really realise the gifts that God's given them until a mentor points it out. Does your soul desire this, to either be a mentor or be mentored yourself, to accompany and encourage others to grow in their God-given potential, to go, uh, in guidance, in encouragement and modelling given by a more mature believer to a younger one is one source. Another one is building authentic relationships that provide support and help in specific areas. And the last one could be providing or receiving influence, instruction, training and perspective. For me, the last two years, I've had a phenomenal mentor, somebody that during my hard times has been there just to be able to guide me through it. Not necessarily to give me, um, give me a way out, but to be able to guide me through it and then through the, the, the great times to be able to be my number one champion, to be able to sit there and just go, yep, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. And I am incredibly blessed by the person that I've, uh, that I've been journeying or has been journeying with me in this. But I encourage anybody to have a mentor several of them in in some different aspects that can feed into your life so that you can be what God has created you to be. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get distracted by so many things that have been going in my head that I tend to not realise what the blessings, the gifts, and even the way that God has placed in my, my life because I'm like, no, I think this suits me better. Whereas a mentor can sit there and go, maybe this might be the bay. I don't know. Paul encourages Timothy. He wrote a letter to him in 1 Timothy 1, 1.18 and he says this, I am entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in process of fulfilment in this great ministry, in this great work of ministry, in keeping with the prophecies spoken over you. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons, as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience. Timothy needed a mentor beside him to put him back in track of what was already prophesied over his life. 
Maybe you might need that as well. Our next one is service. Our next spiritual gifting or spiritual discipline is service. Service is a way of offering resources, time, treasure, influence and expertise for the care, protection, justice and nurture of others. Acts of service give hands to the second greatest commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. That's part of our mission statement. Love God, love others or love people as yourself. Does your soul desire this? To reflect the helping, caring and sharing love of God in this world. Doing service projects that could be mission trips, having a volunteer heart, foster care, or even prison ministry. You could be using your influence to better the lives of others or using your gifts to build the kingdom of God in any way, shape, or, shape or form. Using your gifts. You need to understand what God has gifted you with, the abilities that he's gifted you with to be able to use your gifts. In John 12, it says this, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honour anyone who serves me. Christ lives through us. He is with us. We just need to take the invitation where he wants us to be, not just thinking that we're dragging him along to where we want to be. Martin Luther King Jr. says it perfectly. Everybody can be great because anyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to have, uh, have to make your subject or verb agree with your, uh, with, agree with your serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Great words. Small group is our next one. We're starting to wrap it up now, guys, so stay with me. Small group intentionally, and I know that there's a fair few LinkedIn small groups that we've got at the moment or connect groups, uh, and if you're not part of one, make sure that you are part of one. If this is what your soul desires, make sure that you get in contact with our, uh, our ministry lead in that. Uh, but small groups intentionally connect people regularly, uh, gathering them together to help one another grow in loving God and doing his will. Does your soul desire this, to make your spiritual journey with a community of trusted friends? This is outside of a Sunday service, outside services, outside ministry. This is a place where you can nurture what God is doing in your life. This is a place where you can sit there and journey together. I, know, I remember when I was first um, gave my life, one of the most powerful moments uh, in my journey was actually journeying with like-minded people that are uh, some gone before us, but actually just generating that discussion that made me think and made me question things that were going on in my life. Does your soul desire this? To regularly gather with others to study scripture, uh, to pray with one another, or just to be a support base for one another, to intentionally open yourself to others and listen to their insights about your journey and your life or even your understanding of the Bible. And this is where a lot of people love is that developing the hospitality community in which strangers can become known. Sounds pretty special there. In Hebrews 10.25 it says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are created to do community together, in big and in small. In small groups, our LinkedIn Connect groups, or or in some ways, shapes or forms of journeying together is just another arm of enhancing our journey here in life. Small groups are simply means of connecting people and offering them a place of self-disclosure and meaningful interaction. Within this context, each group decides their purpose, duration, and so on and so on and so on, how often they meet and how they meet and the purpose behind it. There is not just one right way of doing small groups. So make sure if this is what your soul is desiring, whether it be to lead one or whether it be involved in one, make sure you get in uh, in contact with LinkedIn at cfcpenrith.org to find out more information. Unity is our next one. This is our second last one. So unity is the uh, is the mark that demonstrates to the world that the body of Christ is one organism, one faith, one hope, one baptism all to one God and Father of all. Unity uh, lives out the reality that Christ has already reconciled all things to himself so that we belong to one another. Does your soul desire this, to live in harmony with Christ's desire for the church to be one, to be a bridge builder and a peacemaker, for the body of Christ, working with believers from various traditions to achieve kingdom purposes, not just taking it just because of the denomination that we are, to refrain from speaking unkind, slanderous and divisive things against others in the body of Christ and to distinguishing between biblical principles and the personal convictions regarding those principles. In Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, it says this perfectly, For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope of a future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and living through all. Let's actually live out that biblical principle of unity and allow God to live through, in, and over all. Our last one this morning is witness. Probably one of the most important ones, but we need to have that yearning soul desire to be able to step into it. Rebecca Pippert Quotes perfectly here. Our communication of the gospel depends not on, not on human strategies or well-polished techniques or even brilliant reasoned arguments, but on divine intervention, on divine invitation, on divine initiative. It is the hidden work of the Holy Spirit that gives our words meaning and power and that produces change in people's hearts. To witness means modelling and telling of the differences Jesus had made in one's life. Does your soul desire this? To reveal a life-changing love 
that Jesus has made in your life to others. To living the presence of Christ in a way the world finds compelling and desirable. Not becoming just relevant, but is compelling and desirable. Sharing the good news of Jesus at the appropriate time in an appropriate way in whatever situation you're in, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your friends, whether it be in your community, but knowing the right way to be able to share Jesus' love and being comfortable in, in expressing your Christian journey in words that appropriately connect with others. So knowing your audience. In Acts 1.8, it's perfect. It says this, You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our Great Commission. Paul was the first great missionary of the church. And the early church continued to follow the examples made by Jesus and then Paul. Believers committed themselves to living the Christ in me life in the midst of the world they were living in. Writing to non-Christians, the early church father said in the Apologies, we live in a world with you. We do not forsake forum or bath or workshop or inn or market or any place of commerce, any place of trading or anything like that, and they're all just places, name places, we could simply replace those names. We, we, do, not, we do not forsake Penrith. We do not forsake uh, Cambridge Park. We do not forsake um, St Mary's. Any place where things don't seem right, we sail with them. We fight with you. We farm with you. We work with you, witnesses to the life-changing Jesus happens on the job, in the everyday, in the comings and the goings, in the way that we approach life, in the way that we sing the glory of God. The test for witnesses is not simply the ability to be able to explain the good news. It is the way we live the good news. And I've quoted this before and I've quoted it many times before, St. Francis of Assisi said it perfectly, go into all the world and preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Let us be the hands and the feet here in Penrith. Let us be hands and feet in our families, in our workplaces, in wherever God sends us or has already sent us. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for exposing us to this spiritual discipline of sharing our lives, sharing what you have done in and through us, Lord. I pray that you compel us to be able to sit in this relevance and create a space for you in our lives to be able to grow far greater than what we could ever imagine. I pray that you go before us this, uh, this week. I pray that you give us space to be able to just reflect on what you're doing. And give us opportunities to be able to share your love, your life, and your light in many ways. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm hoping you have a fantastic uh, week. And remember, we've got our Bible video devotion tomorrow. On Wednesday, we've got our Design to Worship. Um, and for those that call this place home, we've got our Zoom meeting um, at 11.30 today to start launching where we're going into the future. Have a great week, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.